Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. And out of desperation, I started to um, do something really cutting edge. I started to pray more. And I discovered something that God really answers prayer. Uh, wow, isn't that neat? Um, but we've been on a journey that we can't take any credit for. We stumbled into out of a place of brokenness. You know, it's like, okay, we're like in our 30s and we're going to, is this what, is this it? Is this what we're going to do the next 30 years? And will it really move the needle in our city? And I felt like, you know, we could grow our church. We could maybe double in size, triple in size in 30 years. I don't know. But I, I knew it wouldn't move the needle. Not in a way I'd feel good about dying someday. <laughs> And knowing, and out of desperation, we just started to seek the Lord. And um, we don't have all that we've asked for, but we have more than I knew was even possible. I didn't know. Um, you know, my heart is tender because... I think personally, I've stumbled into a revitalization in my own relationship with God. And I want every one of you to have it. Some of you may not need it. I wish I would have found you a few years ago, but some of you are like, yeah, I think I need, I need some more. And I hope... I believe that God has more for you. Um, in terms of our church, we have seen God move. We started to pray, and then we were, I think it was, you know, a couple years ago for the first time, we were like, well, we should pray and fast for Easter services for salvations. And we invited our church to do it, and, and we had more salvations that weekend than we'd had the whole year before. And um, I was like, this might work. We should we should pay attention to this. And so we would do a little more and we'd see God move and then we would pray a little more. And we've just kind of continued on that journey and um, we've seen that there's more power of God available for what we do. Um, several years ago, we had 300-something salvations for the year. Next year, it grew to over 650. Um, last year, we had over 1,200 salvations. Um, in our weekend services over the last four weekends, we've seen over 600 salvations. We're not better at presenting the gospel. I think we've actually gotten worse. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, we're, it just in the terms of like, this is like the most simple, here's what you're saved from, here's who can save you, here's how, by faith, of course. And 
there's just no explanation for the things that God has been doing. Um, I do think that the greatest thing that we've seen is all of us just an increased spiritual awakening. Um, all of us going to places in our relationship with the Lord that I don't, I don't think most of us knew actually could happen. The hunger, the thirst, the presence of God, the communication with God. And that growing in our congregation is a beautiful thing. Um, God did surprise us by um, beginning to do a lot of miracles in our midst, um, particularly healing people physically. Now, you've got to understand that uh, we're a Presbyterian church. So don't tell anybody, but um, it started right around a year ago. It was the first weekend in March last year. And uh, we've had hundreds of people physically healed and running around with testimonies of miracles, and they'll shake things up um, really quick. Um, another thing has just been increased encounters with God, for lack of better words, by our congregation from increased conviction to increased hunger to increased hope to healing to increased uh, empowering um, from his presence. Um, just like, you know, everything he does, just we're seeing him do more than we thought in this, the gap between what I've been reading my whole life and what we're experiencing now. Uh, has been really refreshing to my soul. And so what I want to teach about is, I'm, naturally, I want to teach about prayer this morning. And if you have your Bibles with you digitally or uh, the old-fashioned way, Second Kings chapter 5, uh, we encourage you to flip over there. And I'm just going to begin reading in verse 1. It says, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master, and he was highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. 2 Kings 5, now I'm in verse 2. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive this young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Verse 4, Naaman went to his master, told him what the girl from Israel had said. Well, by all means go, the king of Aram replied. I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, ten sets of clothing. And the letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I'm sending my servant Naaman to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. Verse 7, as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robe and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why is this fellow send somebody to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a, a quarrel with me. Verse 8, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message, Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me. He'll know that there is a prophet in Israel. Verse 9, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a message to him and said, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and he went off in a rage. Verse 13, Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know there's a God in Israel, and I won't 
read all the way through the end of the chapter. Um, but this, of course, is the story of Naaman the leper. Now, leprosy, we all know this, uh, was a source of great shame, right? Isolation if you have leprosy. It was also impossible to get rid of. Only an act of God could get rid of leprosy. Now, so can I ask you this? What is your leprosy? That, that thing that only an act of God could heal. What is that for you? God wants to heal some of you today. Not just help some of you today, but heal some of you today. And let me tell you, that the journey of faith for Naaman and for everyone else, it always begins with becoming aware of our need, awareness of need. And to stay on the journey, we must also stay in an awareness of need. So I'm just going to write the word aware here. This is where it begins. Awareness. Are you aware? Do you know what it is that God and God alone can give you? What is that? Jesus said that blessed are those who are hungry, who are thirsty. He said he only came for the sick. Jesus said, let all who are thirsty come to me and drink, and they will receive living water flowing up from within them. A largely forgotten kingdom principle is that the satisfied starve. The satisfied starve. God taught us to be content circumstantially and materially and hungry spiritually, yet we live content spiritually and hungry circumstantially and materially. When it comes to the things of God, the satisfied starve. For Naaman, his life was so full, he would have starved without his leprosy. Verse 1 said he was a man important to his master. It says he was highly regarded. The text says that he has many victories and that he was a valiant warrior. Significance and power. Those are the stuffing of the flesh with which man can give us. That leaves us ignorant to the emptiness of our souls for what God alone can. The verse that we think is the most tragic is the saving grace on this man's life, but he had a skin disease. By God's grace, he had something in his life that would cause him to be aware of his need for something only God could give him. Are you aware? Are you aware? That is where the journey begins. I'm going to slide this over because I realize it's right behind me here. Are you aware? If not, it is a root of a problem. Because the satisfied don't seek. God says that if you seek him with all your heart, you'll find him. Now what keeps us from being aware? Revelation 3, 17 and 18. Jesus said to the church of Laodicea, you say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you are blind. I counsel you to buy from me salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. The lack of awareness of what you need is the result of spiritual blindness. That's where that comes from. Now, you can kind of hear the Laodiceans objecting to what Jesus is saying to them. Say, well, well, wait a minute. We've never said that. I'm rich. I don't need a thing, Jesus. We've never said that, Jesus. Jesus says back to them, well, when you don't ask of me, you declare to me. I'm rich. I don't need a thing. But wait a minute, Jesus, we pray. We, we ask you to do things for people all the time. I can imagine Jesus saying in response, I didn't judge you as believing that others were rich and didn't need a thing. 
I said that you have declared I am rich, and I don't need a thing. You ask for others because you believe your family needs for me. You believe your city needs for me, but you aren't asking for your own needs from me. You believe others are poor, fine, but you believe that you're rich and don't need a thing. Are you aware? What is the personal renewal in your own relationship with God that you have been asking for? What is it that you lack in your faith, in your relationship with him that has caused you to keep coming hungry, thirsty, persistent to the throne of grace in your great need? If you don't know the answer, I promise you, you need to ask Jesus for the salve. Jesus, open my eyes. Show me what I lack. Show me what I need. Show me the more of you that I am blind to that is even available for me. That I can regain spiritual hunger. Spiritual thirst. Comes from awareness. God's work in our lives is activated and sustained by being aware. Once it is, there is a next step. It is to ask. Once we're aware, then we must ask. Many do not make it from awareness to asking, but Naaman, of course, in the story he did, the whole progress of the kingdom of heaven, God is conditioned for whatever reason upon one thing. Ask. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. You must know that a lack of asking is a complete affront to God. When you don't ask him, it's because you don't believe you need and you don't believe he has. Now, we don't call it that. We say instead that we're content with God in our lives, with how much we have of God. I mean, isn't he enough for me? It's what we say, but let me tell you that contentment with the tiny parcel of God that you do have is a rejection of the infinite amount of God that you do not know. Ask. Our lack of asking is a very active way of saying, God, I don't need you. God, I'm not really hungry for any more of you. The amount of you that I have is all I want. It's all I need. But if we think it works that way in the kingdom of God, it does not. The satisfied starve. Because God created us to want him and to be permanently Hungry and thirsty for more of him. A lack of asking is an affront to me, God says. You don't want more of me. You don't need more of me. Or frankly, you doubt that I have more to give and doubt that I will answer your prayers. See, if you remember, Nazareth was the town where Jesus could only do a few miracles due to the unbelief. And what did Jesus say to them? There were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed. Only Naaman, the foreigner. In the same way today, there are many unbelieving believers. And our unbelief is demonstrated in a lack of asking. It's a lack of asking. Ask and you will receive. It's one of Jesus' most frequently recorded teachings, and yet we doubt and we don't ask. Our lack of awareness is our declaration. God, we don't need you. God, I'm satisfied without any more of you. A lack of asking is our declaration. God, we don't believe that you keep your word. God, we don't believe that you're generous. God, we have exchanged our faith in you for doubt of you. Can I ask you, what is that personal renewal that you have been asking for? What is that hunger 
and thirst in you for your relationship with God. If you're aware, then why aren't you asking? It is blindness that prevents awareness. It is doubt that prevents asking. If you're not asking God for him to do what only he can do, for him to give what only he can give, because you doubt, but you'd like for your doubts to be disproven by God. I want to challenge you on this. You know this about the God of the Bible. He is not motivated to disprove your doubts and disbelief. He is not moved in the slightest to want to disprove your doubts and disbelief. We like to prove people wrong when they doubt and disbelieve us. God is not motivated to disprove your doubts or your disbelief. However, he is very pleased to respond to faith. Naaman became aware, so he passes the first stop, and then he asked. He passes the second, and then comes the answer. The answer. What did Elisha say? Go wash seven times in the Jordan, and your skin will be restored, and you'll be clean. This was God's answer for him. He became aware. He asked. He got an answer from the Lord. This is what you must go and do. Not long ago, I was praying about my, my left shoulder. Since early last fall, it started hurting. It wasn't getting any better. And I had asked and asked and asked God, would you just heal my shoulder? Of course, I went to the doctors and found out it's like frozen shoulders. Not much you can do about it. It just takes some time. But I'm like, God, why, why haven't you healed my shoulder? And what I thought I heard back from him was the most confusing thing. I heard Naaman, what is missing? I'm like, what does that mean? I started researching the Naaman story. I'm like, am I not praying for Jews enough? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. I have no idea what God is saying. I started to study this passage prayerfully, and finally, the Holy Spirit illumined, uh, I believe, what it was. It, what, what was missing was this, his answer. I just pray and pray and pray. Don't ever stop and say, but what do you say? What's missing, Shane? It was his answer. Let's just say your blindness is removed. You become aware of your need for more of him. That's good. And let's say you become faith-filled and you start asking for what you seek. That's good. Will you then listen to his answer? You know, God loves to speak. He is, he is hungry for people to be hungry to have a heart to hear his voice. He loves to speak. Naaman got his answer. Let's look at how he responds again. Verse 11, Naaman got angry and he left. Naaman didn't like the answer. It made him angry. Why? He said, aren't Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I just wash in them and be clean? Here is what you need to know about God's answer. He is always after a deeper healing than the one that we're asking for. He always is. Naaman was aware of his leprosy of the body. God wanted to heal his leprosy of the soul. Naaman was aware of the external thing that he needed, but God wanted to get after the internal thing that he needed. Your leprosy of the body may bring you to ask, and God will also be after the leprosy of your soul. Your external need may drive you to seek his hand. Your internal need he will then expose so that you seek his face. Our awareness, unfortunately, usually only starts with the external things. 
the circumstances that we want changed. And God is happy for us to come to him with our leprosy of the skin, our circumstantial things. He is, but never think for one moment that he is not most after the leprosy of our souls. He likes to get a two for one. Never the simple thing we come asking, but the internal thing that he wants to do in us. And it is his answer, and it is our reaction to his answer that will expose what that is. Naming God angry. You know what anger in response to a question always exposes is entitlement. I asked. It didn't go as I expected. I'm angry. Why am I angry? Well, because I honestly think God owes me. I deserve it. I am entitled. God is always having to remind us, yes, even us pastors, don't try to script my agenda. Don't slip your prescription across the desks to me. I'll slide it right back over. It is not good for you to think you're God and he's your servant. He's God, we're his servants. Aware, ask, answer, the final part, and like my son's trying to fit it at the end of the page, is act. Act. If Naaman didn't actually go to the Jordan and dip seven times, would he have been healed? No. Have you ever noticed that nearly every healing miracle required an action of the participant? Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Get up and take your mat and walk. To receive the miracle that you're asking for, I promise you, you'll need to hear the answer and then you'll need to act accordingly. Naaman did the first three and then he almost didn't do the final one. Did you notice why? Naaman showed up with this entourage of gifts and he had a letter from a king. He's wearing his armor. He's looking very dignified. Isn't it enough that I was aware and that I asked, surely you wouldn't require anything else of me, Lord. I mean, I've traveled all this way wrong. God is more interested to expose and cost him the leprosy of his soul than the leprosy of his skin. So he says, go to the Jordan River and dip in it seven times. And he's furious. And the words of his servants show us why. They say, Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? If Naaman had been asked to do something dignified, he would have done it without question. Instead, he is told to do something that looks so foolish. Dip in the Jordan? Have you guys seen how dirty and carp-infested that Jordan River is? This means he's, he's, he's taking off his armor, which covers up his leprosy. And you just see his men kind of standing on the bank, and he goes down there. And he dips in at once, stands up. Looks at his skin. Nothing. Oh, this is so dumb. He does it again. Everyone's watching. Oh, I must be the biggest idiot on the planet. He does it a third time. Nothing. Everyone's looking. He does it a fourth time. Okay, okay. Still nothing. Five. Six. You gotta know by the time he does it the sixth time, he's like, whatever. 
All my dignity has been stripped away. I'm dipping the seventh time. And of course we know the story. After the seventh, he is healed. By the time his leprosy of body was healed, let me tell you, church, his leprosy of soul was healed too. You see, we think that the, the root from where we are to where we want to be is going to look like this. But in the kingdom of God, it actually looks... Like that. And God says this is my direct route. This is my direct route. You know, after we ask, what happens is we develop expectation, right? And after expectation comes disappointment. But in God's journey, this, this is the way it works. It's ask, it's expectation, it's disappointment, and then ask with an infinity sign next to it. This is his direct route. Ask, expectation, disappointment, keep asking. This is how we stay in the journey with God. We develop expectation because we ask and then we get in our minds like it's going to go like this. It's going to look like this. It's going to mean this for me. It's going to happen at this time in this way. And then disappointment comes. And what we do then after disappointment decides if we get healed of either the leprosy of body or soul. Naaman had his disappointments multiple times along this journey. The thing God wants is for us to keep asking infinitely unless he personally tells us to stop. Asking is what keeps us on the journey with the Lord. And some of you in this room, you, you are, you're disappointed. Maybe you, you were disappointed a long time ago. Maybe it's recent. But if you're really honest, you're carrying disappointment. Now I want to gently ask you, first of all, disappointment is a good sign that at least at one point in time, you were on this journey. It's part of it. But I do want to gently ask you to help you start to move past disappointment. Are you disappointed because God did not do what he said? Or because he did not do what you wanted? We've often skipped his answer. We often fill in his answer with our own expectations that he never said. Why does God do all of this? It's kind of frustrating, if I'm honest. Why does God do all of this? Why are his means and his method not my preferred path? Why is that? Now, I can't answer this fully, but a couple things on this. First of all, if Danielson wants to be a winning fighter in Miyagi, Tells him to wax on and wax off. The lesser should not question the authority and expertise of the greater. He knows what he's doing. 
we think that it's the long road there, but it's actually the direct route. We need to trust his means and his method. So we shouldn't question that. Um, but I do promise you that this is the means and method of God. Every story in the Bible, every Christian who's been walking in the journey with God, we all know this. This is actually his direct route. But is there anything we can learn about why? A few reasons behind this. Let me tell you, first of all, God wants to be wanted. God wants to be wanted. He wants to be sought. He wants to be pursued. Anytime he sees in us that there is a desire for something else more than him, I can tell you he's working to cure the leprosy of our souls. We all know this. God's asking, am I enough for you? Did you not, if you didn't have what you were asking for, but you had me, would you then be happy? You know, whether it's that or it's something else, here's what's always true in this. God's means and his method, they always expose and cost what stands between us and him. God's means and his method, they always expose and they always cost what stands between us and him. Naaman received an answer and his reaction exposed his pride. And the action cost him his pride. This is what God's means and his method are after. You know, God loves to speak. His answer to you will expose what stands between you and him. And the action required will cost you what stands between you and him. He's after the leprosy of soul. That's what he's after. And I believe that he wants to heal some of leprosy of soul today. So I'm going to invite Brandon and the band up here, and we're just going to lead into a prayer time where you can kind of process some of this with the Lord. But I believe there's four things that he wants to heal of leprosy of the soul today. Distraction, disappointment, dryness, and deadness. And I don't think he's just going to help you with some of these things if, if, if you're feeling it. He wants to heal of these things. Distraction, disappointment, dryness, and deadness. You know, just as leprosy of the skin brings all of these, there is a leprosy of the soul that numbs our spiritual nerve endings. He wants to heal you of that. He does. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes and Just to hear from him, but distraction. For some of you, the thing that is numbing your spiritual nerve endings is just distraction. As I was praying, I kind of had this picture of, of like a, a can. And it had a label on it, and it said 100 pounds. But when it was opened up, there's just air in it. I just wonder if there's some of you who you're, you're, you're describing things in your life as weighty that God is saying, that's not weighty. If 
You're so distracted by these things that you've, you have placed so much importance on, but God's like, that's, I don't know. I think that some of us in this room, to be catapulted into the deeper and the higher things of God, we, we've, we've got to quit calling things weighty that aren't really weighty, that we're not distracted. The second is disappointment. Disappointment is normal for a person who is walking by faith. But it is important to point out that there is a big difference between expectation and expectancy. Expectancy perseveres, expectation abandons. One is the result of our demands. The other is the result of a promise that God gave. Anyone on the journey of faith is going to experience disappointment. But if we don't deal with it, we will just eject ourselves from God's direct path. And I'll tell you something I feel like the Lord's taught me when disappointments have come along the way. is shed tears to shed weight. Some of you are weighed down. You don't even realize why your energy levels are not what they used to be. And for some of you, it's because there has been some disappointments. And you're still carrying the weight of them. Shed tears to shed weight. For some of you, that's just the thing you need to do right now with the Lord. It's just acknowledge. Actually, I, I am really, I was really disappointed. And you need to grieve it. Third is dryness. For some of you, you just feel spiritually dry for those who are thirsty for a drink and you will receive. God wants to heal some of you of dryness today. Just becoming aware that you are dry. Of course, is step one. And finally is, is deadness. There's some of you in this room and you're, you're spiritually dry and there's some of you, if you're honest, you just... You're spiritually dead right now. Like you know you need God's defibrillators to lower upon your chest. 
So you're just going through the motions. It's just become robotic. You have lost your first love. What if you were to regain your hunger? Regain your thirst. quiet moments to just hear say look God is there anything you're saying to me is there anything you want to reveal to me this session I just want to encourage you to ask to really cry out call out don't don't pray for others right now don't pray for your church pray for what you want with him call out to me I will answer he says oh yeah and if you begin to really ask and allow yourself to desire and want more of the lord well guess what that could set you up for disappointment that's true it's part of the journey ask god loves to be wanted he loves to be sought let us seek him Let us pursue him. Let us know that he has so much more to give. And that faith is believing that he rewards those who diligently seek him. close this session by praying for each of these pastors that are here. Father, I pray that today there would be sparks would be rekindled, that desire and longing and thirst and hunger, not just for what their ministries could be, but for what they could have with you would be renewed in their lives. I ask that you come by the power of your presence and you would give us the gift of hunger. Give us the gift of thirst. Only you, God, actually draw us to you. We are praying that you would put 
increased hunger in us, increased longing. And God, I am praying that there would be the healing of deadness, the healing of dryness, the healing of those disappointments and those discouragements that have come along the way, and the healing of the distractions. Come, Jesus, by your presence and do what only you can do. Heal us of these things. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.